1: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scullin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Let's talk about bankruptcy. It's such a loaded word these days. How does the actual bankruptcy process work, Blair?
2: Well, so first off, let's talk about the goal of a bankruptcy. So the goal of a bankruptcy is, and this is straight from the law, it's to give somebody that's honest but unfortunate a chance at a fresh financial start. So it's allow you, it allows yourself to free yourself from a burden of unmanageable debt and start again owing nobody anything. So it's really quite a wonderful thing. Um and it's only available to individuals. If a company goes into bankruptcy, essentially it's over, you know, all the assets are shut down, the company gets dissolved. Um, for an individual, if an individual goes into bankruptcy, they emerge on the other side and they can rebuild and start again.
1: You know what? And I think that's part of the thing we've talked about misconceptions around the word bankruptcy. And when you just said that, that's what I think of, that uh, everything's done, that doors Mm -hmm. are shut, you're on your own, goodbye, it's finished. And, and and it's so different, personal bankruptcy versus a company going bankrupt.
2: Yeah, it, exactly. You know, I've got uh, one of my colleagues who has a saying, you know, if people are in our office signing documents, they sometimes say, you know, hey, I'm signing my life away here. And well, no, what you're doing is you're signing your debt away and you're getting your life back. Yeah. And that's what it's, bankruptcy does. And,
1: and it's a bit cliche, but boy, oh boy, I think it's true. Yeah, I indeed. I think it's true. Mm-hmm. All right. How does the actual process start when, you, when you're when you heading into bankruptcy?
2: Yeah. So there's two ways a bankruptcy can start start, but in 99.99% of cases, it starts with the individual asking for help. So, you know, in very rare situations, someone can get forced into bankruptcy, but in my 13 years of practice, I've never seen it. It's basically someone deciding, you know what, I've got more debt than I'm able to handle. Um, I'm going to reach out to somebody to give me some help. And if you're in Canada, the only person that can help you with the bankruptcy is a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. So that role doesn't exist in other countries. In other countries, you might need a lawyer or an attorney or whatever. Um, in Canada, you have to see a trustee to get assisted with the bankruptcy and what it means if you call Sands & Associates is Pick up the phone. We ask you about the situation, and we say, "Okay, let's get you in to sit down face to face with one of our qualified trustees or estate administrators." Um, so we'll book a meeting in any of our fifteen offices, and then when you come in with the meeting, uh, we plan for an hour sit down where we sit, you know, eye to eye, and we just talk about the situation. So we want to understand what's the debts, you know, what's keeping you up at night, what are the payments that you're worried about making, uh, what are the assets, you know, do you own a house, do you own a car? Is it important to try to keep those assets? Is there an RESP or they're RRSPs. Let's go through all of your assets and all of your debts and see if there is a mismatch there, meaning that you've got a lot more debts than you're able to handle. Now, we also look at, and this is all in, in the first meeting here, we look at your budget. So we try to understand who's earning income in the household and how how many dependents are there? Are there different, you know, medical conditions or therapies that are required? You know, what's the household's ability to make payments on debts? Because that's going to determine what the options are available to the person. Um, and then we just spend a lot of time discussing about their objectives. You know, are they just looking to understand? You know, well, what if I were to consolidate all the debt, or what if I tried to pay everything back? Um, a lot of my time is spent explaining. Here's exactly how the nuts and bolts of a bankruptcy would work. Here's how a consumer proposal would work, and let's help you make a collective decision on what's going to be best for you and your family.
1: And this is that. This is that uh, free consultation that we talk about when yeah. we talk about Sands and Associates. That's all the stuff that gets covered in that one hour time, so that you have a really good idea. Actually, both parties have a. Yeah. Mm -hmm. really clear, much more clear idea of exactly what the situation is.
2: Yeah, exactly. So we go into a good amount of detail, you know, even if it's someone where I can't solve the problem, I can't help the situation, I've never had someone say it was a waste of time coming for the meeting, because if nothing else, you learn, you leave there with a bunch more knowledge about the process about what the options are to you. And then you're better armed as a consumer moving forward to deal with with a debt situation, even if bankruptcy isn't the answer for you.
1: Okay, let's talk about bankruptcy registration. Mm -hmm. How does that work?
2: Yeah. So once you file for bankruptcy, so assuming you've been in to see us for a consultation, then we generally meet probably two or three times after that to get together all the details and put together the bankruptcy filing documents. When we meet to sign the documents, then the trustee registers the bankruptcy with the government and then notifies all of your creditors that now you are protected. So essentially the trustee steps in the middle like a referee. So we explain to the people that you owe money to, here are the rules of the game. You can no longer contact this person. You can't harass them. You can't request any payments. Any actions you have taken must cease immediately. And then we explained to the person who is going through the bankruptcy that we're now the referee enforcing, you know, some quant conduct issues against the creditors, but you, the individual, the government requires you do some work to restructure your affairs. And that's what you have to focus on over the term of the bankruptcy, which is either nine or 21 months.
1: Okay. And that's, and that's where you guys really play a role as well to figure out the next course of action. How are you going to do this?
2: Yeah. So if someone has filed a bankruptcy, one of the key things they've got to do, they've got to do three big sets of duties. So the number one thing they've got to do is they've got to give us a monthly budget. And that's hugely important because for some, but not all people, but for some people who come through the door, they've never kept a budget before. You know, they put down the plastic to pay for expenses. They make the minimum payments on the cards, but they don't really operate on a what's the money coming in in each month versus the money going out and is there a mismatch? So just the exercise of being required to keep a budget each month is very important. There's a lot of value in that, Um, but it's also the most important part of the bankruptcy because your budget and the amount that you earn each month, that's the only determinant of how long you're in bankruptcy and how much you have to pay. It doesn't matter the amount of money that you owe. That's not a function of it. It's are you earning a lot of money each month? Or are you earning very minimal amounts of money each month? That's going to determine how long your bankruptcy is and how much you have to pay.
1: And at this point, too, you may you may be working with the person and realize, you know what, bankruptcy isn't the next step for yep. you. A consumer proposal may be uh, a better, kinder, easier, or more beneficial thing for you to follow through on.
2: Yeah, that that's true, Elaine. So you know, in every situation, we'll sketch out hypothetically if someone files for bankruptcy, what's required, and then we'll also say, well, here's the alternative if you you know to try to avoid a bankruptcy consumer proposal can be a better option for, you know, a number of factors there. Um, but if the person decides to, to file for bankruptcy, it's really important that we understand if they're considered low income or not low income. And the cutoff there is if you're a single person, roughly $2,100 per month of take-home income, that's the low income definition across Canada. Okay. So if someone files for bankruptcy and on a monthly basis, they're earning less than that amount, bankruptcy is over in nine months and the amounts that they have to pay is $1,800. So for whatever the amount of debt is, finished in nine months and they pay $1,800. So it's a very quick and, you know, ideally, you know, very valuable uh, result that you you would receive going through a bankruptcy.
1: Now, there's also counseling sessions mm-hmm. included in the work that you would do.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that we're so proud of at at Sands & Associates is we really take the approach of trying to understand the entire person, the entire situation, and fix not just the financial aspects. Um, So you're required to attend at least two financial counseling sessions with us. They're focused on household budgeting, about understanding the factors that led to the situation you find yourself in, and then also focused on the future. How do you rebuild your credit? How do you move forward with really good financial habits to make sure that in the future, you know, you're a beacon of strength for for those in your life, um, and you can learn from this situation.
1: I like the idea too, that you'd really take a look at the warning signs Yeah, because often people aren't aware, right? They're just not aware of, of what, of what, if this is happening, then this is probably going to happen next.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes the most comfortable thing, which is just, you know, making the minimum payments each month and letting the debts go up is the worst thing you can be doing for your long-term financial health.
1: Now, let's, uh, in in wrapping up this segment, the last piece, the discharge. How does that work? And can you sort of give us a brief Brief description.
2: Yeah. So when you file for bankruptcy, you know, you're in bankruptcy for a period of time, which means you're protected. The trustee referee is is appointed and all of that. But you want that to come to an end because you want to exit bankruptcy and move on and get the debt left behind. So when I was mentioning, you know, you can be in bankruptcy for nine months, it's at the end of the nine months, the trustee can sign a discharge certificate, which essentially frees you from the debts and you move forward with your life.
1: Excellent. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. For information on any of the services we've talked about on the show, go to sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030 for a free consultation and to find an office near you. Joining us on the show right now is Marsha, former client of Sands & Associates. Hello, Marcia. Hi there. How are you doing? We're good. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, Marcia, it, it's Blair. Now you and I work together. So obviously, I, I know a bunch of the background here. But mm-hmm. for the benefit of the listeners, can you give me um, some background on the situation that brought you to Sands & Associates? Um, how did you reach out for help? And what really drove that decision?
0: Okay, um, it, sure, definitely. You know, I, I realize now that what caused me to reach out is something that kind of happens to a lot of us. But uh, you know, I'd fallen into a rut. Um, of literally living beyond my means um, and my income. I knew it was getting crazy, but I didn't have any clue how to get out of it. Um, I had a nest egg that I'd built up after I sold my house, and I I moved. And I was um, slowly, you know, with rent and with life and everything going on, I was eating into that nest egg as opposed to, staying, uh, you know, within the budget of what I was earning. And, and, it and, into- and Marcia,
2: where, where did yeah. you move from?
0: Um, I moved from Cranbrook mm-hmm. <laughs> to Vancouver. So
2: a big difference in the costs, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And although I'm from the Lower Mainland and my job was fantastic, I just, we were stuck in a situation. When I came into town, I had a place to live and we had a situation set up that was, Perfect for us, and then something happened and it fell through. So we kind of had to scramble. And in that scramble, I took the closest place to where I was working and didn't even consider all the other things that would have been part of, you know, living downtown. Mm -hmm. So it definitely, um, it definitely opened my eyes quickly, but I got so drowning so fast and I had no one to talk to about it. Um, It was, it was, it was just like a cycle. It was a cycle upon cycle. And I didn't even realize I'd fallen so far into it until I realized that I had, you know, credit card to pay a credit card to pay Mm a credit card to pay a credit card. And my consumer debt was just mounting without any, any end to it. And that, that led to things like, you know, anxiety and definitely stress going on in my life. And, um, you know, a fearfulness that, Uh, I hadn't really experienced in a long while, right? I'd worked hard to get myself where I was. And then all of a sudden, I realized I was back where I was previously in another time in my life. And the shame that kind of hit me was just huge. Like I, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I didn't want to let anybody in my life know that you know I didn't have a handle on my financial situation and I think that that's a real common place for us to be in uh because handling our lives financially is kind of hand in hand with being an adult and I was definitely not in the place where that was going on realistically in my life and, I, and it wasn't changing it because we you spend. You go out to eat. You buy groceries. You 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 do things. Period. And and they all cost money. And if you're not, if you don't have a grasp on that, um, and and a good budgeting sense, and and you know know what to do with it when you get it, it it's a really hard place to be in. And I just kind of, I hit a wall. Um, and I did the things I needed to do. To uh, take care of the finances and my situation as best I could, I moved out of Vancouver into the Fraser Valley.
1: But Marcia, before you, before you go on, yeah. I just want to ask you a question: How mm-hmm. long did that process take? How long did you sort of uh, muck about and and then realize that you were in a in a situation that you needed some help? How how many days or months or what it, oh, did it, it take? Years. <laughs> it it <laughs> was a years. full
0: eighteen months. Eighteen months. 18 months. <laughs> Yeah, it was a full 18 months. I ran my lease and then I ran my lease six months past. It was truly the final six months of when my lease expired and I released that I was like, oh, goodness, I needed to make a change. Uh, It was that long, though. So, yeah, about 18 months before the realization of what kind of mess I was in really
1: Became real. And how long did it take you between when you realized to then get a hold of Blair and and get some help with it? Mm -hmm. Probably about four or five months, which is
0: funny. But my path to Sands & Associates and to Blair went down a sad but... uh, very i think still common thing that i didn't know about Sanson and associates at that time i didn't even know about uh consumer proposals or um a debt consolidation or anything like that right i i saw an ad because i transited when i worked downtown on a bus in the bus stations on the at the sky stations i saw an ad about you know if you're drowning in You know, if things are going crazy and everything's going bad, call this number and they'll help you. Well, I had reached a point of desperation where I was like, okay, I'm going to call, but I still wasn't going to tell anybody
2: yeah and, and Marcia, that that's just completely consistent with the the clients that we see day in and day out and I'm so yeah. pleased that you're, you're sharing your experience because it's about two years it seems that you know yeah. people they they really like using your words you said you know they were ashamed, they were stressed, you know they were carrying it all on themselves, but they're reaching out for help they start start to feel better pretty quick at least that's, that's my, my experience I wonder if you if you can share a bit for the listeners you you filed a consumer proposal. I wonder if you can just kind of describe what that was like, what it did for you.
0: Oh, that was, when, when I found you guys, when I found Sanson Associates, that was, it was like finally taking that deep breath, <laughs> and I stopped waiting for that other shoe to drop. Um, I had such a great experience. From the moment I walked in and, you know, I had somebody tell me that it's all going to be okay. <laughs> yep. You know, the calls are going to stop. We're going we're gonna to get you, uh, get the situation under control. They were going to reach out to the debtors and, and, and the creditors and be able to make an arrangement for me to put it all together and make a payment that was reasonable. Because that was the biggest thing, is there was no way to complete all the payments to everybody all the time. And um, that was the cycle of it. And all of a sudden, I got to Sands & Associates, I filed this consumer proposal, and it was so simple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was so quick. That was the thing, I literally was in there and then within a week all the paperwork was ready to go and all of a sudden I could start living life again
2: now, without,
0: Mar- yep. Yeah?
2: Uh, Marcia, I'm wondering what did that do in, in terms of your, your payments? So you, know, you said that the minimum payments um, before were more than you, you could afford, I think you said it was mm-hmm. you know, more than your, your salary. What did the proposal do? That gave you a payment you could afford? Do you remember kind of ballpark numbers?
0: Oh yeah, um, I my payments went from literally eight or nine hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. down to one hundred and twenty-five.
2: Wow, that that big, right?
0: Yeah, that yeah. was huge, and it was distributed. It, I didn't have to take care of the distribution of it. I didn't have to take care of contacting to make these arrangements. The skill set that is available at Sands and Associate to reach out to these people. In a way that they respond to, because that's something I learned. The people, the debt I had, they were not responsive until Sands and Associate came. I came on board with this consumer proposal project and went ahead and and allowed them to do the mediating for me. Uh, it took it from more than you know a mortgage payment down to something that is easily paid monthly.
2: That's that's excellent, Marcia. I'm wondering about, you know, your, your experience now. You know, has there been an impact on your financial habits, on, on your attitudes? Um, you know, as part of the consumer proposal process, there's two financial counseling sessions. You know, we, mm-hmm. we hope as practitioners that those, you know, that they, they take take form and, you know, they, they really do, do lead to some change behaviors. I wonder if you can give a sense of where are you now?
0: You know what? They were really great tools. They provided me first, the first appointment I had, uh, it was all about, you know, facing your debt, because that's something that you tend to do when you get uh, out of control. And it talked to me about, you know, dealing with things immediately. I stopped uh, letting things go. And now by habit, I do that. If something comes up and there's some, something coming up and, and it's, I'm not going to be able to, to make a payment or if there's uh, anything in the world, because you never know what's going to come up, I deal with it right away. I don't go ahead and wait. I, I reach out to where it's concerned. And that less and less does that even happen anymore in my life. The other thing that happened was it taught me the tools of budgeting, as well as budgeting for things that you don't even think about. Like, I have some stretch goals that I set out at my second appointment um, for something great to be coming up in my future. And that was exciting to realize that in the midst of all this, they taught me a way to find um, something to look forward to. Some kind of a hope, right? And right. that was the most important thing for me was having hope that this wasn't the end and it was just the beginning to start with tools of, you know, being aware of the little spending, being aware of what has to be paid monthly, and then, you know, setting away money for something great that you want to do in your life as opposed yep. to just thinking it's always going out, it's going out, it's going out, and never thinking that anything was ever going to be positive again about the
3: financial situation.
2: Yeah, Marcia, you've got us in, in the studio here just, you know, grinning ear to ear because this is exactly, <laughs> you know, why I do this work, you know, the, the transformation that you've had, I just know that this happens day in and day out with with yes. clients who are on consumer proposals or, or even personal bankruptcies, you know, it's life-changing getting, getting rid of your debt. Um, I wonder if you have any words of advice for others who might be in a similar position to what you face, Marcia?
0: I definitely do. And, you know, you're going to hear me say this, and I know it can take some time, but don't be afraid to just make that call. Sometimes the thing that stops us is we just don't know. And that is, that is what I learned most out of this. You know, reach out to somebody else. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger who knows what they're talking about, than it is to the closest people to you. So don't let that fear or that shame or that worry that, you know, you're just they're gonna look at you and say, How could you have messed up? Because that's not what happens. You know, they talked to me, they treated me like an adult. They were professional. They were so respectful of everything I was going through. It was the best thing I ever did. So, you know, if you cannot wait for two years before mm-hmm. you go in and get help, that would be the best thing. But even if you're still at that point where you've waited and you feel like you're against a wall, reach out. Uh, this was probably one of the best things that I ever did was when I decided to go ahead with a consumer proposal and do it the right way.
1: Marcia, such great advice for folks that uh, uh, are in the same situation that you were in. We appreciate you talking with us today so much.
0: Thank you very much. I really appreciated sharing my my story with you guys.
1: You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scalin along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, who are experts in helping you get out of debt. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scalin with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. In this segment, we're talking with Marlene Burnt. Uh, she's an estate manager and qualified insolvency counselor with Sands & Associates. Uh, she had been a, a credit counselor, lender, bank manager. Marlene has got experience in all kinds of areas of banking and credit, in addition to over 10 years of experience in the insolvency field. Marlene, thank you so much for joining
3: us. Well, thank you for having me, Elaine.
1: Now, financial counseling, pretty significant uh, Uh, part uh, in someone's personal bankruptcy or consumer proposal must help folks a lot as they go through this process.
3: Yes, um, I really believe that it does. Um, I quite enjoy helping people. And if I can share some of my experience and knowledge that I've accumulated working in finance for many years, um, you know, to get a better, more secure financial place, then I feel really good about that, and financial counseling is a great way to uh, to achieve that.
1: I think. Then this is one of the pieces that really puts Sands and Associates apart from uh, all con- uh, other folks uh, that you want to go to uh, dealing if you're wanting to deal with a, a debt situation. Is that empathy? Um, sounds like pretty non-judgmental experience uh, and very respectful of when folks walk through the door with and they're literally just kind of showing you their life. And this is where I've not done a very good job. Can you give me a hand?
3: Absolutely. And, And that can be, you know, a very sort of scary, vulnerable place for people as well. So I think that, you know, definitely, um, you know, non-judgmental, you know, this is where we're at at this moment, and, you know, allowing people to chat with you and discuss, you know, what sort of happened up to this point in their life, what sort of, you know, has driven the situation. And, you know, understanding that life can, you know, throw you many curveballs. And, um, you know, having, I come from a large family myself, I've seen, you know, many things. And I know that uh, the last thing that people need coming in when they're feeling very vulnerable is to be judged. You know, they want you to be there to to assist them through the process and try to be as, you know, empathetic and understanding as you can be about the situation. And I I hope, and I, I strongly, believe that Sands is wonderful when it comes to that. A lot of the estate managers that I know personally are, are, are great people.
1: Yeah, because the last thing you need is uh, is somebody giving you a hard time when you've had the guts or feels like this enormous amount of guts
3: to come through the door in the first place. Absolutely. My mom used to always say, you can never judge someone until you've walked in their shoes.
2: (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Now, Marlene, you and I, we we work together a lot on bankruptcies and consumer proposals, and sometimes clients are surprised that, you know, when we fix a debt situation, we're not just looking at, you know, the dollars on on the page and just, you know, scrubbing off the debt and that's that. You know, they actually have to meet with us. They have to sit down and do some really in-depth financial counseling, and, you know, some people are very surprised about that. I wonder if you could spend a couple minutes just talking about how how is counselling integrated into either a bankruptcy or, or a proposal? You know, what's, what's the requirements, what's covered, and how is it beneficial?
3: Absolutely. So basically, both restructuring options have two financial counselling sessions provided, and both are done one-on-one by a qualified insolvency counsellor. Um, uh, The registered insolvency counselor would be an individual that's, you know, gone to school, um, obtained some qualifications and skills uh, to be able to provide this counseling. They would have had to pass an an exam and as well as perform uh, many hours of supervised practice. And I think that's one of the key things is actually having the hands-on, you know, practice sessions with another licensed um, counselor. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, in becoming more well-rounded and understanding the process. Um, Having, you know, financial background obviously really, really helps. And people skills, Uh, that's a huge part um, of the job. I love
1: the part uh, as well that, that these counseling sessions are part of the rules. That if you're uh, going to go into either consumer proposal or bankruptcy, uh, that you get these, and that you guys, Sands and Associates, willingly provides them. Uh, and it sounds like uh, from you, uh, just a really good listener, Marlene.
3: Well, thank you. And, and as I said, I really do believe that, you know, that is key and crucial when you have people coming in and they're sitting down with you. It's a very scary thing just to make that initial phone call, um, let alone come through the door and meet with someone. And, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're letting them in and uh, understanding, you know, everything that sort of happened in their circumstance and situation. And that can be a very sensitive, uh, very sensitive thing for them. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting as well to know that, you know, back back in the day, many years ago, um, when people would file in, they wouldn't, there was no, there was no counseling component, which is kind of interesting to know. Um, And it's wonderful to know that now that we do offer that. So not only are we helping people, you know, get a fresh start, but also helping them to sort of sit down and say, okay, well, these are some of the reasons why we're here. And let's look at some, you know, ways and strategies to cope Um, should things, when things come up in the future, you know, because they always will, you know, at some point, uh, even if you're going through something like this, you're always having things come up um, along the way. So sort of teaching them ways and strategies for coping with those things um, as that's going on.
2: Right. Now, and Marlene, they, they would meet with you a, a couple of times, at, at least for counseling o- over the course of the, the proceeding. I wonder if you can tell me, you know, a little bit more of a, a detailed level, you know, the first counseling session, what's the topics? What are the, the objectives? You know, what, what should somebody expect when they come in for a first counseling session?
3: When they come in for the first counseling session, well, I think that um, when they come in for the first counseling session, generally the the topics that we would cover would be um, money management, uh, spending and shopping habits. financial difficulties, warning signs, and obtaining and using credit. Those are some of the things that um, I would go through with clients when they would come to see me for the first session. Um, We do see, uh, you know, clients from varying demographics, um, and we do have a set of guidelines that, of course, we have to follow in these sessions. But one of the things that I think is really wonderful too um, about SANS is that we do try to individualize the topics uh, needed to be covered to suit the individual that's sitting in front of you as well, right? So you have sort of these uh, this guideline that you would go through, but then you would also try to individualize it as well. For for example. Um, We see a lot of self-employed individuals, and uh, their incomes uh, are quite often very uneven, you know, up and down. Um, And it can be extremely hard for uh, those types of individuals with that kind of varying income to create a budget um, and to work within one. You know, so we will sit down with them, and we we often talk about creating a baseline for them so that, you know, they know exactly what they need on a monthly basis in order to, you know, to live um, and to set monies aside as well. Um, And then we would speak with them about creating um, an account where if they're making over that amount in a month, they're depositing into it. And in a month where they're making under that amount, they're withdrawing from it. You know, we go into some detail um, in regards to budgeting. And I think uh, that is, you know, a a very wonderful service that we provide um, clients that come in to see us is that, you know, specializing and chatting with them about their individual circumstances as well.
1: What are they, when you're, when you first, when the person is first sitting down and you're going through your, your list of things to talk about, (laughs) when you get to that shopping habit, spending and shopping habits, what are some of the, are there a couple of key pieces that you, you listen for that then you know, okay, that's an area that we have to do some work on, or we don't have to do some work on? Like, what are the warning signs around that?
3: Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I say, Elaine, is I say, okay, now it's time for a little psychology in the package. And um, we have something that we call uh, a compulsive shopper checklist. And it's kind of neat because it gets people thinking, okay, you know, are, are any of these areas areas that, you know, that would stand out for myself? And almost, you know, a, a good percentage of people can identify with this area. Um, and then we chat a little bit about that. And we also talk about you know, um, technology nowadays, it's so easy to spend money um, quite quickly, you know, with the debit cards and now we have the tap, um, all of these, you know, t- all of these. I technology. love the tap, Marlene. <laughs>
1: I think that's the best technology ever.
3: Oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. But it sort of takes away that, you know, the restraint from us too, where we actually have a minute to go, okay, hold on a second here. Do I really need that? Right. right. So it kind of takes away that, that buffer, I guess you would call it. It, totally that, that sometimes can be quite a wonderful thing for us as well because we may talk ourselves out of perhaps buying something that we don't really need at this moment in time right well, that second thought that yeah, you might
1: take I, it, instead of sort of instead of counting out the twenty dollar bills yeah. just flipping the card on it uh when you're flipping out those twenty dollar bills yeah right. you get a, a sort of second sober thought yeah, right, you, you, so always,
2: we, you almost make it fun to tap the card as opposed to really not fun to give up your cash. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Got <laughs> so, it. That's exactly right. It's driving right. the wrong and, behavior there. Yeah. And
3: there's a little bit of psychology in there too. You sure. know, as humans, I think that when we're holding cash, we have a, you know, uh, we'll, we'll basically think in our minds, okay, well, we don't want to break that dollar bill, whatever it is, a 20 or a 50, you know, perhaps. But for some reason, it's almost surreal with the debit card. So we're, we're more apt to just go right ahead and, you know, and utilize it. So it's kind of this interesting thing I think that happens in our minds and there's a little bit of um, you know like I say it's a little surreal when we're using the card even young people who are wonderful about checking their apps and looking at their banking balances and all these kinds of things going on there's still kind of this thing that happens I think in our mind where we're not really associating it with you know, the reality of what's actually going on with our finances at this moment in time. We will just keep using the debit card without really kind of thinking. I say, I often say we kind of go into autopilot when we use the debit card, you know. Um, And one of the things that I talk about actually is grocery shopping because groceries are um, on the list of things that oftentimes clients are not aware of what they're actually spending in that area.
1: I think so, that's a really good point. I know that I I don't pay nearly as close attention as I should on that stuff
3: you bet. So when, if we go into a grocery store and we, you know, go through the aisles and we do our thing and we use the debit card, we're not really thinking, but if we go in knowing we have cash, it kind of changes the way that we process things. So we'll be thinking, number one, there's no way I'll get up to the cashier without enough money to pay for this because it's far too embarrassing, number one. Um, And, and then, so we'll be thinking things like, okay, well, how many dinners, how many lunches, how many breakfasts do I need, you know, um, at this point in time with the cash that I have, and we'll start planning. And awareness is such a huge factor in, in, in all financial things, um, especially when it comes to pre-planning, you know, a little bit of pre-planning uh, and awareness. I think those are, are crucial things.
1: Really and, good points. Really mm-hmm. good points, Marlene. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scallen, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, who are experts in helping you get out of debt. We'll be back with more right after this. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. Get a financial fresh start. We're with Blair right now talking about who is filing for bankruptcy. What are the numbers? What's the what's the data? What's the research? And 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 I'm thinking the in the hopes that people will go, Oh, that's me. That's mm-hmm. I fit into that category. Yep.
2: you are not alone. If you're listening to this and you have got debt, you're definitely not alone. You're you're actually the Close to the majority. I, I was reading recently, I think it's 46% of people carry a balance, and this is in Canada, carry a balance on their credit card every month. Wow. A huge warning sign. You're paying 20% interest on a credit card balance. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it's going to clear the next month, but if that's a long-term thing, well, then you, you probably need to have a conversation with a professional such as ourselves here.
1: Got it. So what what kind of numbers of, of people mm-hmm. are we talking about?
2: Yeah. So of the, of the people that come to see trustees, and there's essentially two... Two legal remedies a trustee can assist with. So one is a personal bankruptcy, and in the last year that's available, so in last year twenty sixteen, across Canada, sixty three thousand people filed for personal bankruptcy.
1: That's all that's a that's a surprisingly large number.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you work it out on a long-term basis, it's going to be close to 10% of the population over their lifetime is going to go through either a bankruptcy or, or a proposal. In the province of BC, it was just under 5,000 people last year um, actually filed a bankruptcy, but it's, it's been a pretty significant decline in bankruptcy rates in recent years in BC.
1: Now, the reassuring part of those numbers is that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. There's lots of folks who are facing huge financial challenges and are taking action as a result of it. Exactly. So, uh, but there, this is an interesting point, though. You've also said that filing bankruptcies or bankruptcy filings are actually on the down swing. Yeah.
2: In, in the last five years, there's been about a 30% de- decrease decrease in the province of BC uh, in the number of people filing bankruptcies. What?
1: what how? How is that happening? What's well, the reasoning yeah, behind that? Yeah, you might that?
2: think, oh, that's great. People aren't in, in trouble anymore. But no, it, it's quite the opposite. All the debt indicators are moving in, in the wrong direction. You know, debt to income is higher than ever. Income isn't increasing. But what's happening is a lot of people who might have filed a bankruptcy in the past, they're opting to do what's called a consumer proposal okay. now, which is a totally different remedy. And quite often, once people understand what a consumer proposal can do, they know no longer need to consider a bankruptcy. So there's been a massive growth uh, in consumer proposals to the effect that in the last year in the province of BC, there was actually more consumer proposals filed than there were personal bankruptcies.
1: Okay, but what's the difference between the two? Because uh, the end result is still the same, right? Yeah. Or is it?
2: No, the end result's exactly the same. You end up with no debt to anybody. You move on with your life with a fresh start. But the means of getting there is completely different. So let's talk about what a consumer proposal is, because that's definitely the, the more unknown of the two options. What a consumer proposal is, it's basically an agreement. You know, any type of a proposal is an offer you're making that has to be accepted by your creditors. So what a proposal does is it's your offering to make a settlement on your debt. By law, when you make a proposal, all the interest stops. So there's 20% interest per year that's you know running the debts away from you, that stops the day you make a proposal. And also by law is typically you're not paying back the full amount of the debt. Quite often it's about a third of the debt, maybe a quarter of the debt, maybe a half, but it's in full satisfaction of the debt. So when you finish paying off that quarter to half or whatever it is, it's the same as if you paid the debt off in full. They can't come and collect from you ever again in the future.
1: Now, can you take that scenario and relate it to if I didn't do a bankruptcy proposal, but I filed for bankruptcy, mm-hmm. How how is the, for example, like the interest rate stops, yeah. you stop paying interest... At the moment you start the proposal, yep. how does that work in bankruptcy? How do how, What's the impact on interest rates there?
2: Yeah, so, so again, totally di- different remedies. So in yes. a consumer proposal, you're avoiding bankruptcy. So what you're doing is you're saying to your creditors, if I filed for bankruptcy, um, creditors, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of money back. In Got most it. bankruptcies, there's pennies on the dollars that's paid back, whereas in a proposal, you're going to offer them, you know, 20, 40, 50 cents on the dollar. Every situation is different, but it's almost always a very significant reduction. So a proposal, it's based on a percentage of the debt repaid. In a bankruptcy, there's no basis on the amount of the debt. You could go bankrupt owing $1,000, $10,000, $10 $10 million. What you're required to pay back isn't based on the debt. You're not making a settlement anymore. Essentially, you've thrown up your hands and said, this is more debt than I'm able to clear. I need to get some relief. What you have to pay back in a bankruptcy is based on your monthly income. If someone's considered low income, they pay very minimal. If someone's not low income, they have to pay a little bit more.
1: But with a proposal, my lender, it sounds like it's more advantageous to the lender Mm -hmm. for me to have a proposal than it is to file bankruptcy.
2: Absolutely. So the way a proposal is structured is it's supposed to be a win-win. So the win to you, the individual who owes the money, is you don't have to file for bankruptcy. No one goes into bankruptcy lightly. It's a last resort. Obviously, there's credit rating impacts. And if there's a way that you can avoid a bankruptcy, you're interested in hearing about that as an individual. The win to the people that you owe money to is if you choose to file a bankruptcy, that your legal right they don't have to approve it they can't reject it they have to, to basically get repaid or not repaid whatever the law says so they're willing to look at alternatives that are going to give them a better return than if you filed for bankruptcy so the win to your creditors is more money the win to you is more is no bankruptcy and the mechanism of, of achieving that is the consumer proposal
1: okay so Let's, let's talk about credit rating just for mm-hmm. a second there. Uh, how does a proposal impact my credit rating? How does bankruptcy impact my credit rating?
2: Right. Anytime you don't pay back your debts in full, your credit rating is going to take a hit. So if you think of every debt that you have, they're all going to be scaled on a score of R1 being perfect credit to R9 is the debt's been written off. Either you're in bankruptcy or you've skipped the country or something like that. So if you file for bankruptcy, your debts go to R9, so essentially the worst they could be, um, and a bankruptcy is noted for six years after your discharge. So if you finish a bankruptcy in nine months, which is what 80% of people do, they're in and out of bankruptcy in nine months, which most people are pretty surprised about. Um, For six years after that, if someone pulls a credit report they're going to see that you filed for bankruptcy. doesn't mean they're not going to advance you any credit. Most of the time, within two to three years after a bankruptcy, if you've done the right things to rebuild your credit, you'll be fine. You'll start to get more offers of credit than you know what to do with, and the the challenge is going to be using them responsibly, so you don't have to come and see us again. Right. Um, But... Basically, it's going to be on your credit for six years after. Most people rebuild their credit far sooner.
1: Okay. And on a proposal, how's that? what's the impact to my credit rating?
2: On a proposal, it's slightly better. So where a bankruptcy is R9, it's essentially on the worst end of the scale. A proposal is R7. So it's not close okay. to R1, but it's still slightly better than R9. What's hugely important that people realize here is depending on the avenue that you take to try to repay your debts or not. If you do a consumer proposal, you're paying back, again, a portion of the debt, and you're getting an R7. If you go to work with a credit counselor, whether for-profit or not-for-profit, you have to pay back your debts in full with no interest, but it actually hits your credit the exact same. OK. So it's a huge difference. If someone had $40,000 of debt, and in a proposal, they're going to pay back $13,000, you know, roughly a third, and get an R7 rating. Or if they're seeing a credit counselor, they're going to get an R7 rating, but they're going to pay back the full debt of $40,000.
1: Right. We a big, huge difference in the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's move on. Uh, Common causes of insolvency.
2: Right. For the most part, it's essentially everything was going fine and then something happened, meaning some shock to the system. So all very logical things, you know, a job loss, um, a divorce you know suddenly having to reestablish two households where there was one before and quite often before there was a divorce there was quite often a period of non communication between the spouses and maybe the finances got out of control so that's a very big one for us um illness is huge so although we have socialized med- medicine here and it's great you don't have to pay to see the doctor People don't replace your income for, for, you know, for many jobs. You don't have disability benefits. Prescription drugs can be very expensive. So definitely health concerns are huge. Um, the number one thing that people self-identify when they come in the door is just that they overextended themselves on credit. Hmm. They just got too much credit, often too early in life. They didn't realize things were getting out of hand until it was too late. And then they started to look at their statements and realize they're just not going to get this thing paid off and they need to get some help.
1: Right. And we talked about, uh, we've talked about in the past about the credit card statement and how they've been forced, the credit card companies, to say it's going to take you this long to pay it off. -hmm. Which is a a bone, you know, sort of good news and bad news.
2: Yeah, it's good news that it's there in black and white, but it's bad that, yeah, the debts are structured that advantageously for the banks, meaning 20% interest on their money. You know, try depositing some money in a savings account and see if you get more than 1% interest. So, not a fair fight, but it is where we are.
1: So, uh, let's talk about how folks see themselves moving towards insolvency. Uh, The waiting time between boy, I'm in a serious situation here to I'm actually going to do something about it.
2: Yeah, and that that can be as much as two years where people, you know, essentially you know hide from the problem, stop opening the mail, or, or things things like that. Um, but yeah, definitely people can kind of ignore the situation. Um, sometimes there are some catalysts that bring people through the door, and quite often collection calls are a big one. Mm. So it's when the person is suddenly real and coming over the phone, and usually not in a very nice way. Um, right. You know, telling you you need to deal with this type of an issue. Um, you know, when you've received the tenth one of those in a single day, and the day before that you had fifteen, and so on and so forth that can just become consuming because you don't have anything good to say to the person on the line. Typically they want to be paid and you don't have the money to pay them.
1: And then the emotional impact that, 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 that carries too: Mm -hmm. the stress, the shame, the guilt, the, all that other stuff, uh, can cause all kinds of issues
2: yeah and then people start you know doing things that are aren't helpful to themselves they start you know moving money from one card to another just to make it for another month right you know, sometimes they start getting payday loans and with payday loans I've never seen just one usually it's five or it's ten or it's more of them because the interest rate is so high usually to pay back that first payday loan you have to take a second one right. so it just becomes this vicious cycle
1: not a good not a good way to do it um, And what are some of the warning signs that if you're, you know, looking at your situation and think, you know, am I moving towards a debt that I can't possibly get a handle of? What are some of the signs that you've seen with with folks coming in your door?
2: You know, the best sign is if someone sits down and writes out all of their debts, writes out the interest rate, and then figures out if they've got a plan to get themselves to be debt-free in a reasonable amount of time, reasonable meaning within a couple of years. If you sit down, you look at your debts, you realize all you can do is the minimum payments, and you know two years from now, you're going to be owing the same amount of money. That's a very healthy analysis to say, hey, what I'm doing right now is not going to get me out of debt. Let's try to change the game. Let's try to do something different. Visit a licensed insolvency trustee and investigate whether a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal can restructure things for you.
1: If any of this information resonates with you and you think, yeah, I need to do something now, sooner rather than later, it's very easy to take action. Uh, Sands-Trustee.com is the website. Talk to folks like Blair. They've got offices all over uh, the Lower Mainland as well as two in the interior and two on Vancouver Island. Uh, Get a financial fresh start. The number, the 1-800 number, 1-800-661-3030. You can book an appointment for a free consultation and get started on this and to find an office near you.
0: The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKW.